to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Hi, hello, welcome in. Happy Saturday. It's a massive soccer show Saturday here on The Franchise. We've got the Women's World Cup with plenty of intrigue tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. We've got this little thing, this little regional competition called the Premier League. It fires up next weekend, so we will be previewing that. Can I just uh, put out a call? You can put out whatever call you want. Anyone out there listening, um, I'll be at Skinny Slims, uh, 2 p.m. next Friday. Throw it down! Season opener for Manchester City against Burnley. We love you, Vinny Company. Can I? Uh, We're gonna smash you. Can we'll I double, you. double yeah. down on your call? Okay. Uh, I think I'm a little tied down at 2 p.m. on Friday. Yeah, so. I think you might be. <laughs> so I won't. I'll be with you in spirit. Sorry to whoever my co-host is on Friday. I'll be out there Sunday morning uh, with our good friend Eli Letterman. Initially, wishing not, like. Outwardly, I'll be like, yes, I hope the, the Postiacoglu era starts off great, all that stuff. On the inside, I'll be like, I hope Kane is gone. I hope nothing but pain and suffering yeah, for your yeah. small little club. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a bit. I, I uh, regret to inform you that I cannot join you Sunday. I'll be on a plane to the Dominican Republic. Uh, so. just tough. <laughs> yeah, tough. That all-inclusive life is calling. Well, I, here's calling. great for you. Uh, basically, that means that once that happens... You can you, you don't have to deal with the aftermath of Vinny Company walking in and uh, I know right putting pep to the sword. That'd be a great way to just put that five nil loss to Burnley <laughs> on opening night out of my mind. Yeah, no, we will have the Premier League coming up uh, this time next week. We'll be talking about it real quick. Um, I know we'll update more as we know for sure on this, but just a heads up, we've got a thing called college football coming up. We do, and so. Um, we will be moving the soccer show back to Wednesdays. Back to Wednesdays, Wednesday nights. Uh, TBD on the time on that. There, I think we will uh, not to air laundry, but there's an internal fight. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm pressing my thumb on the scale, seeing what no, happens. No, no, we'll figure that no. out uh, on Wednesday night, where where we will fit that into a very busy schedule during football season. But the goal is August 16th. That's that's right. the date we have in mind. It has been okayed, but I forgot to send the official email, so hopefully that that's okay. But so basically, we're going to do the preview show today. Next Saturday, the soccer show will be live during Premier League action. And then circle back Just on get a Wednesday. little taste before you go back to Wednesday yeah, nights. And then go back to Wednesday nights. You'll be... Just else, another country. Shout out to you. Uh, I hope that you'll be slamming many tropical drinks for me. So, uh, look, we're not planners here. I have not planned out quite yet who will join me on the 16th. But then from there on out, 16th, 23rd, 30th, we'll be back on Wednesday night. So the OGs remember. The the soccer show OGs know that's where we launched was on Wednesday nights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where we, we will be back to uh, looking forward to, you know, it's a little Wednesdays are different. They're good because you can do the preview and the recap in the same show. Yeah, it's right? a little less uh, squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. Right, because but that's you don't also have a little bit of the in. fun of but it. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, college football obviously is king on Saturday. So we'll be back to Wednesdays uh, coming up on the 16th. But we've got lots of Premier League to talk about with the season right around the corner. We've got some transfer stuff to talk about. But we start, Ryan. You and I called it. There is Bad reason feeling. to be concerned about the U.S. women's national team. Bad vibes. Uh, if you somehow missed it, the U.S. women had a little pressure. And how could you miss it? It was yeah. a 2 a. Yeah, how, how could you? Those, those rooster kickoffs. Somewhere, George Kliakov is like, we could do a 2 a.m. window. Could, could that add money to our media deal? We will play games at 4 a.m. Hey, Thoughts? Brazil's women's team is available if they, the Pac-12 is looking to uh, expand. Okay, so let, let's, let's do this. First off. We had talked about it. U.S. women have a lot of pressure on their shoulders headed into that game against Portugal. A loss would see them eliminated from the World Cup. It's a Portuguese team that didn't really want to play uh, attack at any point throughout this World Cup. It was a disappointing, disjoint, bad performance from the U.S. women. Carly Lloyd, I think, said it best. The MVP was the post in the 91st yep. minute, especially for the U.S. women. 
They we were that through. close to the biggest disappointment in United States soccer history, men or women. Yeah. So the U.S. squeaked through. So are you feeling bad about the vibes of how that went? Or do you look around and go, Germany, out. Canada, sure. out. Brazil, out. This is a volatile World Cup. And while they have not looked good at any point throughout this first three matches, and they're playing a Sweden team that's looked like a, a machine, a little bit older, but a machine, are you still disappointed in how the U.S. women are playing? Or is it one of those where when you look around and go, okay, it's certainly not good, not giving them a pass, but it could certainly be a lot worse? I would just say, um, and now, by the way, we know it would be Japan in the next round. If the U.S. women advance to answer your question, I would feel a lot better about Germany, Brazil being out and feel like, yes, maybe this is just a really volatile World Cup and it will open up for the U.S. women if they were in a little quadrant with Germany or Brazil. But they're not. Theirs is tough with Sweden and Japan. The two teams they're going to have to beat to come out of it are on paper. They better than are they better than both of them? Yes, they're number one in the world for a reason. The U.S. women's national team is the most talented team in the world, but that doesn't make you the best team in a competition. And right now, they've left a lot to be desired. I, my hope is, and I would not predict this, if you ask me right now, I feel like the U.S. women are going to lose to Sweden. But my hope is that what happened with Carly Lloyd and what happened in that last match and the fallout since will galvanize them a little bit moving forward and that they will put on display that they are the best team in the world. But that's a lot easier said than done, Ryan. This team feels disjointed. It feels like, you know, and it, it literally looks like it on the roster of a bunch of young players and a bunch of old players. Yeah. And it feels like just on the pitch and off the pitch, bridging the gap between them feels very impossible right now. Yeah, and, and we talk, Or at least it feels like a struggle. Yeah, and, and coming into the World Cup, we talked about that you have players like Rose Lavelle and Lindsey Horan, and Lavelle's been banged up. She's been carrying a knock, obviously. But th those are the players... The group trying to bridge that gap is so small. It, it is so small of, hey, I, I really like what the U.S. did of, of putting some... Um, ownership and leadership in the Lindsey Horan bucket by making her co-captains with Alex Morgan. That means it's like, yes, you have the the veterans, the four-timers, but also you're empowering that group that, that's going to, next World Cup, they're going to be the veteran. You're already empowering them. Um, and I, I think it's just been growing pains. The good news, I, I don't want to all be negative. I know the, the expectation on this team is so high that it can sometimes be unfair. The good news is that, truthfully, for as awful as I thought they played for 97 minutes against Portugal. Throughout the three group stage games, it's just a handful, a handful of testy moments at the back. I, I think the defense has actually been pretty sturdy, and that will serve the U.S. women well going to knockout play. We know that. It's really, really tough to get beat when you don't concede goals, and Pretty much outside of a 15-minute period uh, against the Dutch where the Netherlands really took it to them and outside of two counters against Portugal, I think they've looked really steady and really assured at the back. And sometimes it takes a little bit of luck. So whether it is that clang off the post and every single one of those players knowing that one inch either way and the U.S. were headed home for the World Cup, whether it is Carly Lloyd, someone that most of this team has played with, just taking a flamethrower to their reaction to, to making it through, whatever it is, there's been enough time for some sort of wake-up call to happen to really throw it into gear. And, and as we mentioned before, this team has, over the last three World Cups, gotten better and better and better as the tournament waged on. Well, I, I, but you're right. They've gotten better and better and better. They just started right from now, way better places. They might, they might have the two best teams in the tournament that they face in front of them the next two rounds. Yeah. I mean, everyone's seen what Sweden's done because you looked at the bracket right after the U.S. US women's national team drew against Portugal, and you're like, okay, they finished runner-up. Who are they playing? And you see Sweden, and you go, oh, my God, they've been pretty dominant. Japan's been more dominant. Yeah. 
I mean, Japan has. Did you see what Spain did to Switzerland? Yes. Japan beat Spain 4 0. Yeah. I mean, Japan thoroughly destroyed Spain. And I, I think that little ramp up that you talked about, about getting better and better and better, right now it can't be a ramp. It's got to be a big jump up. Yes. Or they're not going to make it out of this little bracket into the semifinals. Now, I, I really feel, and this is again the hopeful side of me, they do make it out. I think it opens up a ton for them. And I like if they make it out of the next two matches, I would predict them to win the whole thing. But right now, I just have a hard time seeing not only as disjointed as it feels, as especially as as just it feels, it almost feels slow sometimes in the attack. Yeah. Oh yeah. You it, know what I mean? It's just. And against, which, which is so opposite of what the U.S. women's national team has always been about. It's always been so free-flowing and just, you know, like boom, 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 so crisp. And right now, that they just leave so much to be desired. Well, and against Vietnam, where you're basically camped out in Vietnam's 18, it's okay for that to look slow. We, You see this basically every other weekend in the Premier League right. of... You're having to break down a low block of a team that's just putting 10 shirts behind the ball. You know what I mean? For City, Chelsea have seen that at times. No one was afraid to play against Chelsea last year, the last two years, really, <laughs> uh, as they shouldn't have been. But that one was understandable. That first half against the Netherlands was so concerning. So I was just like, "Are they? what is happening? Are they going to play? And what's so weird about, you mentioned it, they've been really free-flowing. Abby Wambach... Megan Rapino, Carly Lloyd. Huge tent poles of what the U.S. women's program has been on this just incredibly dominant run. The attackers right now for the current U.S. women's national team are not better than those players in their prime. But they are way more athletic than they ever right, were. Like, right. As far as speed, burst, sure. all that, it shouldn't feel that way. And frankly, maybe an under-talked-about storyline... Mallory Swanson was on fire before she got hurt, and she brought a directness to this attack of she just knew time that run, get in behind the back line, in on goal, and it just looked cake every single time. I really, really feel like between Alex Morgan and Sophia Smith, Swanson would have brought just a, a different kind of edge to that attack and a different option, a different look. And while I don't think it would have been as effective against Vietnam, I think that it would have been huge against the Netherlands and against Portugal. It's a little bit harder because they like to pack it in, but all you have to do is create one of those moments and then Portugal has to come out of that shell. And then there would have been more space for Morgan and Smith. And we just haven't seen that yet against a team like Sweden. If they figure this thing out against a team like Japan, like I, I think the U.S. is really, really, really missing Mal Swanson right now. Friday at 2.30, if the USA, 2.30 a.m., if the uh, USA wins uh, tonight, tomorrow, I don't know what we call that. I guess technically it's tomorrow morning uh, against Sweden. Uh, real quick before we get to a break, because we've talked a lot about the U.S. women's national team, this World Cup has been full of amazing stories. If you just like narrative, which yeah. I think most soccer fans do, the narrative in this World Cup is crazy. Uh, it's crazy just some of the things that have already happened. How can you not get, if you're a sports fan, and I, I think that sometimes, Todd, you and I, our job is sports, and, and that can take some edge, some emotion out of, out of some things sometime. Watching that scene with the Jamaican national team and going up to Marta and, and seeing that there were tears in the eyes of the Jamaicans as, as they have... They literally had to put together a GoFundMe to get to this World Cup. Yeah. And to dump Brazil out, to head to the knockout stage. I'm a big old sappy softy or whatever. I get that. But seeing those pictures, those scenes, it was hard not to be like, this is incredible. Yeah. Well, in the moment with uh, Marta and Bunny Shaw at the yeah. end. When it was kind of the passing of the torch, it felt like a little bit. And, uh, you know, it was it was seriously one of the cooler scenes. And then you know, that wasn't it. Like, that was just the beginning, right? I mean, South Africa getting through South was Africa amazing. Getting, hell, 
Even uh, teams that didn't Morocco make it through. was yeah. crazy. They're watching the iPad at the end to see the match go final, to see that they're through with Germany eliminated. It's just been awesome so far. It it sucks a little bit because the just the schedule of it of yeah. when it's on TV. It's tough. It's very tough, and it sucks because, quite frankly, the U.S. Women's National Team has not gotten a lot of people excited this World Cup. Uh, just they haven't played in an exciting way, and, and there's way less talk about it than any Women's World Cup I can remember since I've been, you know, doing sports radio, quite honestly. So it's... Um, it sucks in that regard, but there have been so many cool stories, and if you haven't paid that much attention to it, do yourself a favor. Do a deep dive on YouTube, on Twitter. Yeah. Go rewatch some of those moments because it really has been one of the most amazing knockout rounds of any soccer tournament I've ever witnessed, to be honest with you. Not knockout rounds, but... The group uh, stage. Yeah, yeah, group stages of any any tournament I can remember. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, I'll be up at 4 a.m. like a sicko because uh, my sister will be sending me panic texts, which means if I'm not there to respond, to be like, yeah, she's usually the calm, cool, collected one. Uh, so maybe it'll be the opposite. Maybe I'll be freaking out. She has to be like, Ryan, it's the eighth minute. Can you can you let them play out of the spell? Like hey, A lot can happen. A lot can change. Bruv, I'm up like a sicko at about 4 a.m. every morning. So <laughs> it won't be very hard for me. Sicko lifestyle. You, you you morning show people are the absolute worst. I know. The Can't absolute stand morning worst. show people. They're the worst. Uh, afternoon supremacy. Uh, anyway, that is the Women's World Cup. We'll be back, obviously, with whatever happens over the course of this next week. We're going to take a quick break here on the other side. Smaller second segment. Going to talk about the transfer rumors. Also, uh, college football and soccer not directly clashing. But there are some storylines to pick through real quick. But we are going to clear out a big swath of time for our grand Premier League preview to, sh to end the show. So if you're hanging out with us, hit us up on the Twitter.com machine at Todd on Franchise, at underscore Ryan Chapman, at Soccer Show 1077. Let us know. what what. How do you think the European slots are going to uh, play out? Give us your top seven as well as a bold prediction for this Premier League season. We'll get to those as we do that ourselves to close out the show. But on the other side, like we said, transfer talk here on the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. Listening to the soccer show, Hamilton 77 the franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. I don't think I ever identified us. That's bad. My fault. Ryan Chapman here. That's Todd Lizenby. Toddy, I hope you're able to leave the country soon. Yeah, me too. Uh, TBD. <laughs> Get the passport sorted, people. Yikes. That's, Still no passport. That's Michael Branson, Maddie Goldfish on the other side. Still no passport. Still no, no, no. Not as of this show. Do you think we could, uh, like bench warmers, that bad boy, and just I'm <laughs> I'm twelve I'm with 12, a twenty buck. Yeah. yeah, see, see. Yeah. So stay tuned, stay tuned. We'll see. Uh, Todd may have to do an extra soccer show. Contact yeah, right, right. When, when he he should have been on vacation. Yeah. He was not actually. Contact the consulate. Got, yeah, make it happen. Make We're working on it, Senator Langford. We love you here at the soccer. We've show. got we've got uh, wheels in motion. Uh, I I need though from you. When it happens, we need a here we go tweet. I, I think I need that. We need <laughs> documentation signed. Medical. I got to tell done. you. Uh, so <laughs> my girlfriend told me, she goes, hey, I kind of woke up in the middle of the night the other night and your phone just goes off all night. <laughs> and it's because every morning I wake up and it's like 12 uh, whatever we call them, X's. Now from uh, Fabrizio, Fabrizio Romano. Romano. Yeah, it's Fab. like 12 alerts it's our, on it's, the X machine. It's our boy Fab. It's our boy yeah. Fab. Uh, why is is it popping off? Well, it's still silly season, and we've got tons of silliness. Uh, Chelsea have bought like seven more 20-year-old kids that no one's ever heard of from South America since we last congregated on the soccer show. Um, we've got Moises Casado drama that's not really drama. Uh, something that we previewed last soccer show got over the line for Manchester City, and we have a Harry Kane deadline. What do you want to dive into first in the rumor mill? Well, um, I would just say the 
I don't know if you saw this or not, but Fabrizio Romano was asked what he thought the best transfer has been so far. And, you know, that's like asking Woj. It's more about he do, he's more about um, about gathering data than he is about evaluating talent. Right. Yeah. It's just this is a deal that is happening. But he's also not an idiot. Like he talks to a lot of people and knows what a lot of people think of players. And he seems to think that the best transfer is uh, Gavardiol to Man City. Gavardiol is incredible. And it's it's everything you want in a modern center back. He's he, he, physical. He basically said he's the Holland of center backs. Yeah, he's physical, technically incredibly gifted as a passer and a dribbler. He's a threat on any set piece offensively. He's going to shore up set pieces defensively. Um incredibly young and he looks badass in a protective mask when when his nose is a little but like what more could you want right yeah i know he's uh and he's got a great last name said pep guardiola well here's the fun thing uh and, and this is bad for the other 19 clubs and their fans in the premier league but the last time we had something like this the Antonio Conte Nagolo Conte partnership was pretty good. <laughs> That's true. It was. It was pretty good. It was. There is a small difference between more of a difference between Guardiola and Gavardiol. But also, you had Rasmus uh, Hoyland heading to Man United as yep. well, which was a big one that got over the line. He's a guy from Atlanta, 20 years old, that a lot of people are very high on in Europe. And I know Manchester United Eric Ten Hag has had plenty of quotes about how excited he is. Uh, those how do you kind of about the, United's window in total? Now that we're kind of. Onana, I, look, let's have, let's rehash a conversation for one of the very first soccer shows we ever had. People losing their mind over Onana having a couple of worldies beat him in preseason is insane. A yes. good, and, a also, good and also, as much as I loved it, and I even might have retweeted it because I loved it so much. The blooper reel of when he was 19, 20 years old is also a little bit insane. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you notice like, like, none of those were from last season, I don't Yes. Think. And Onana could turn out to be awful. Onana could turn out to be great. I'm not going to stake my opinion on what he's going to be as Manchester United's goalkeeper off of preseason. I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, I will, however, stake my opinion of Mason. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, no hard feelings with Mason Mount. I hope that he's enjoying his dancing elsewhere. We have a bunch of other young Frenchmen now that to fall in love with. But well, the the biggest one for Man United was Johnny Evans, who came over on a freak. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's going good. I mean, I don't, I don't. I'll just say this: I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I think is Onana an upgrade from De Gea and goal? Yes. He What's is. my name? He is. Uh, they've got to chant that, don't they? I have to. And aside from him, there really oh, nah, wasn't. Nah, stop shots on frame. <laughs> oh, nah, nah, stop shots on frame. You're welcome, United fans. There really wasn't any other big loss for Manchester yep. United. I mean, they kept the squad intact. They added a few players that, you know, will they be in the first 11? Onana obviously will. Um, but other than that, will Hoyland, will, will um, Mason Mount, I, you know, He'll probably start 20 to 25 Premier League matches and come on as a sub a lot. He'll play in the Champions League for him some. So it gives you depth and it gives you, you know, a little bit of an upgrade and you don't get in those spots where we saw Arsenal got into these spots late last season. It's if everyone's playing well all at the same time and everything's great, good. But people have ebbs and flows throughout the season. And when a guy has one of those down spots, when he's in a valley... You need somebody who may not have as high a peaks as he does, but somebody who can come in and help him work through that. And Arsenal didn't really have that late in the year. And I feel like Man United have added that in their midfield, especially with Mason Mount. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I like what they did. We'll do our predictions next segment, and we'll kind of go through where I think they're going to finish. It's one of those a little bit like, um, gosh, who was it? I think it was Lance Leopold that said it. I like what they did, but I don't necessarily know that that's going to finish them any higher than last year. Yeah. It may be a higher point total, but in the standings, I think they're probably going to be around where they were last season. But in general, I like what they did. I think it was looking more towards the long term. And finally, they've settled in with the manager in Ten Hog, which is huge to me. Yeah, my, my biggest thing that I've enjoyed about United's window so far is that they've spent plenty of money, right? We've, we've talked about this round and round and round. Spending money does not equal spending money smartly or anything like that. 
whether these signings work out or not, there's a clear vision of how they want to play, how the manager wants them to play, and the board and the recruitment team are bringing in players. They're not bringing in Ronaldo because, hey, let's let's relive uh, the glory days, even if it makes no sense with the profile of the squad, all that stuff. It is 100%. Or, or let's be honest, let's keep Manchester City from getting him. Yes, yes. Stuff like that. Yeah, you know? it, it was not petty by or anything like that. It was literally, hey, we think that we can go and get an England international in Mason Mount for a better price than maybe what it would have been because of a, a deteriorating contract situation, and he presses the way Ten Hag wants. Boom, let's go make it happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've just enjoyed that. Um, one other, on the Liverpool front, they need to get that it's Arsenal. It's what Arsenal's done, too, yes. and we yes. saw that last season. Right? Yeah, and we talked about Arsenal a couple shows ago that uh, on the record of really liking their window. Uh, I hope that Kai Havertz continues to have no volley uh, ability, but uh, happy for Kai. I hope that they're able to use him properly. Uh, someone that can actually play in a big match, something that Arsenal has been lacking. Yeah. Yeah, I I really love their transfer window. Anyway, finish your thought on United. Yeah, no, and so that, that was it on United for me. Um, Liverpool, I, I think if they get that Lavia deal across the line, I think that that'll be really good for them to, to kind of restock that midfield. Uh, the biggest question is going to be then on the Liverpool front is it feels like they've lost a lot of leadership. So I, I like the moves that they've made, and I'm a big believer in Klopp. I just hope that Salah and those guys can kind of smooth that over Van Dyke uh, just without you know Henderson and Bobby Firmino, Bobby Chompers, all that fun stuff. Man United have been one of the few teams that haven't been really negatively affected by the Saudi League either. Yeah. Yeah. Which the other one's Newcastle, and that's not a coincidence, but uh, they, well, they well, haven't been just absolutely there's another decimated club by the is, Saudi League. There's another club that has vastly benefited from Saudi Arabia. Well, that, yeah, and I'm not, like, for some of them, it's guys that they wanted to sell or who were yeah. older anyway, but you know, they I mean, haven't, There's there's no one... Like I mean, and I know it's just one player at Man City, but there's no one like a Riyad, Riyad Mahrez caliber player that Man United's lost to the Saudi League. Yeah, or or a later in the window, Jordan Henderson. Right. You might say right. Henderson now, not like a cripple, but he's been huge for that dressing sure. room for, for years and years and years. So uh, I, the intangible stuff like that, I don't think you can discount that at all. Lastly, before we... Take our last break. Kane drama. Flip over to our preview. Is Harry Kane going to Bayern? Is it going to happen? Or is Levy saying, screw you, I'm going to Kliakov this bad boy? I feel like he's Kliakoving it real bad. That he's going to end up getting nothing for him and he's going to be gone. Um, I... I... Uh, We'll talk more about it next segment. I don't feel good for Tottenham this year. And I it has nothing to do with the manager. I think it has more to do with I think they're a club right now that's in flux. And I don't think that they have I don't think that they offer enough by way of results to recruit the type of talent that they need to continue to pay some of their top players the player uh, the money that they are paying them. And I think they're going to have a decision to make of, do we sell Harry Kane? Do we see what we get from him? Do we maybe even sell some other players and see what we get from them and try to rebuild a little? Um, because, you know, I, and again, we'll talk more about it next segment, but I really find them in that space of, yes, you may technically be in, in the standings closer to a European spot or even a Champions League spot, than relegation, but you feel very mid table. Yeah. Right. And I just for, think for the expectations of the fan base, yeah, it yeah, feels. Yeah. And I I really appreciate I think that Harry Kane might be the most sensible person in all of this of basically doing the Chris Paul thing with the Thunder. What they reported what we heard when the Thunder acquired Chris Paul. That Chris Paul wanted to know, look, before the season, I'm either here all year or you trade me. I don't want to do the trade deadline trying to figure it out. I just want to know where I am, and I want to build a team there. And it sounds like Harry Kane has gone and said, by the first match day, green light this move to Bayern or keep me all year. I'm happy to do both. I will be a great club servant either way, but I don't want to do that. I play three matches, and then I'm shipped off at deadline and, and all that stuff. I would like to have a chance to get bedded in with the new team or just be here and be about it all year long. And I think that from the player perspective, 
ideally, I think everyone would like to do that. Sure. Um, and I wish that Moises Caicedo was a little more assertive. That's neither here nor there. And, and so, well, um, and I think he's earned that right. Yeah. No, by, absolutely. By how loyal absolutely. he's been to that to that franchise. So, it'll be uh, interesting to track. It feels like this is not. Uh, the, the squads that roll out next Saturday when we're doing the live show does not feel like those will be the uh, the squads all the way to the end. Uh, Onana is a, uh, he's been got by Art But Make It Sports on Twitter. Oh, no! So, <laughs> go check that out if you enjoy. That's actually the, uh, that's actually the highest honor in sports. Yeah, it's not it winning. Is. It's not winning a treble. It's not money. It's did you make art to yeah. make it sports? Yeah, it's a Hayes Fawcett edit or it's a art to make it sports <laughs> edit. That's like the highest honors. And I'll take, no offense to our friend Hayes, I will take art but make it sports 10 times out of 10. We're that's about to Todd, find out who we're going to take in the Premier League. We are. That's Todd Lizaby. I'm Ryan Chapman. On the other side, the hot take machine fires up. We are going to do our Premier League preview and I'm going to tell you why a team that wears blue will win the Premier League. <laughs> Coming up on the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. You're listening to the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. The highest rated podcast we could do is the commercial break interaction podcast. No doubt. None of us would be important. Nope. Agreed. Nope. Welcome back. Ryan Chapman, Todd Lizabee, Matt Branson. It's the soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. We have 20 minutes. It's a hard 20 minutes. I can't run us long like always because... From 12 to 3, I will be down in Norman, America at Meet the Sooners Day alongside Jerry Ramsey. So don't go anywhere. After that, we're going to have OU yep. Classic Games, Sooners, Buckeyes, Flag Plant. It's Ooh, happening. Ooh, Flag Plant. Uh, real quick, just uh, just want to make note of this. Messi Mania continues. I saw the other day a great tweet. Lionel Messi's playing soccer in Frisco, Texas soon, <laughs> which is <laughs> and an amazing get, thing to think about. And the get-in price is like a thousand bucks. I know. How do I know? I'm My out. sister and I tried. Yeah, I know. Tried. I had a I had a buddy that looked we as well, tried. and he saw nine hundred. So we tried. We it's a bit rich for our blood. All right, twenty minutes for the rest of our lives, Todd. We've twenty got, minutes, twenty teams. What do we got? One true champion. Um, everybody plays everybody. A true round robin. <laughs> It's actually, it's actually the Premier League. I actually note zapped this oh earlier boy. today. So, you note zapped yeah. it. I'm just letting You're it just fly. winging it. I'm just winging okay. it, baby. This I'll, is I'll start. Let's start at the bottom. Let's. Yeah. You want to start with who we think gets relegated? We. I. I do want to start there. Okay. Let's start there, and I'll tell you who I had. Uh, I had 18 Nottingham Forest. Okay. I had 19 Sheffield United. Okay. I had 20 Everton. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I hope I'm wrong, but that's so, what I had. Uh, Tyler, earmuffs, buddy. Uh, I'm buying you whatever you want. Tyler. At, at Skinny's. Um, oh. I also think that Everton are mm. going down. Yeah. They've, they've flirted with it. They've played footsies with relegation. They are legitimately up a creek financially. They've done nothing in the transfer window. And, um, I mean, Ashley Young. Yeah. They've done basically and nothing. And I love Sean Deitch. This is a, a similar conversation we have with Jose Mourinho, different parts of the table when you talk about that, of where they can really compete. Those Sean Deitch Burnley teams that made Turf more a fortress, there's a reason that in the end that was not sustainable. There's a reason that Burnley moved to Vincent Company. And wanted to play the way that they played in the championship last year. Sitting back in a low block in the Premier League is very tough. Counterpoint, though. It is very tough. But before Burnley got relegated and went to Vincent Company, Sean Dyche kept him up for a lot of years. Yes. Yes. So, counterpoint. But I, I think my biggest deal on Sean Dyche and where Burnley are at is I don't think he has the squad to do what he wanted to do at Burnley. Hashtag squad. And they are not they they're not making any moves to try to change that, you know? It's yeah. 
and they can't. Like you said, they're hamstrung financially. So I, I'm not very optimistic about Everton this year. I don't know that they'll, someone's got to finish dead last. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones I put there this year. Who else do you have being relegated? I have Everton getting relegated. I have Extreme Makeover Premier League Edition, Luton Town. See, if I'm if I'm doing this with my head, I'm putting Luton 18 or 19. But with my heart, I've got to finish in 17. I I want them to survive the drop so bad. I do. I do. I do. Again, they've already had to postpone one of their Premier League matches to get it. Bro, they can't even get the stadium up. I almost feel like I want them to finish 17th just so it was worth it. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, So I I hope that we keep looting. I don't think we will. And I've got Sheffield dropping. Gotcha. So two of the three. Yeah. Two of the three newbies. I'm asking this question out of pure ignorance. When was the last time one of the teams from the championship didn't get relegated? It's a good question. I wish that I had uh, Googled that up, but... Let's see if I can find that. It, it always feels like while we do the research, uh, it, it always feels like one of those situations where it, it's just more times than not, it's a yo-yo because it's so hard. Again, it speaks to the strength of the Premier League. It is now... 2011-12. Yeah. And that was, was the last time. Different DPR, times. Norwich, and Swansea all stayed up after coming up the year was before. Was that the Meet You hot, hot streak? I think so, yeah. I think so. What a what a whatever happened to meet you? Actually, let's not get into that. God, I miss uh, games at QPR. Yeah, Queens Park what's Rangers. The, what's their stadium called? That's gonna drive me crazy now. Uh, Something Road. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, right, so, and that's that's a me thing. That's a me thing. So, all right, there's the relegation scrap. Loftus Road. Loftus Road. The camera angle at Loftus Road is worse than Stillwater circa 1994 <laughs> for, like, Eddie Sutton coach team. Yeah, I was about to say, would you rather have Gallagher-Iba <laughs> or whatever, whatever Luton Town's about to bring to Lofton the table? Road and Everton's kind of the same way Yeah, Whiteheart. When they pan left, it's, like, straight down on this, like, awning, and they have to go to an alternate camera, <laughs> which is crazy. But It's always right. fun. It's let's always go, fun. Let's go mid-table now. Let's go. Okay. Who, give me some teams that you would say are rooted mid-table that you really didn't think about for relegation, but you also didn't think about for Europe either. Yeah, so Fulham was one of those teams for me. I I like Fulham. I'm happy that they they kind of bucked the trend of yo-yo. And, and I think that Fulham are probably going to be content just to say, hey, if we just have a season where not – pushing for Europe, but not ever really in a relegation scrap, then I think that that's a success. I think that's a success there. Um, I've got Brentford in that group. I think it's going to be tough for them to kind of repeat what they had last year, considering everything going on at the top of the pitch with suspensions, all that. I I, I don't think that it's going to be a situation where you're eking out, oh my gosh, or, or Brentford going to suddenly go from pushing in the top half to, to at the bottom, but that's another group that I had in there. Do you have West Ham in that group? Uh, yeah, I have West Ham lower mid table. I think they'll be fine, but can not. I tell you, I have a theory and I think you played right into my theory. Great radio. I looked this morning, you know, there are six managers in the premier league that have more than two years tenure where they're at. Can you name those six? Six. So Klopp. Yep. Pep. Yep. Arteta. Yep. Is uh, Moyes. There's one. West Ham, a team that you find firmly mid-table. Yeah. Um, Maybe less firmly than the other two that you mentioned. You said, is it two or more years? Two or more years, yes. Newcastle? Incorrect. Did he slip in? He's been uh, a year and 266 days, so... Can I cheat and, and look at the table just to... I'll tell you the other two. Is it Frank at Brentford? Has he been around? Yes. Frank has been at Brentford longer than Arteta's been at Arsenal. By a year. This is his fifth year at Brentford. So we're looking for one more. Yep. And it's another team that you said you had firmly entrenched mid-table. It's Marco Silva at Fulham. Interesting. I, the Silva thing. And I, I just I, think. It, it when, feels like he's been there just like, oh, it's I know, new. You know? I know. But I think when you when you think about those teams that you feel comfortable with not putting them in a relegation spot, 
you feel like teams that are settled. And yeah. those are teams that feel very settled with their managerial uh, positions. And I, so I say this, every year we see a team like that that ends up struggling and that guy gets fired. Yeah. It, I mean, it almost, somehow Moyes kept his job at West Ham last year. Obviously, the Conference League thing helped a lot. But that's European champion, uh, David. That's Moore right. That's you. right. But you know what I'm saying? Like we, I think we kind of when we predict preseason, it's hard to predict which one of those is going to struggle. Yeah. But I think we just fall into this thought of, oh, they feel very settled as an organization or as a franchise. Let's put them mid table. Uh, a, a team that I have just under mid table, relegation fight, but not relegated. I'm worried about Crystal Palace, man. Yeah, I've got them uh, 15th is where I'd put them. Sounds like Elise on the way out if he can clear some medical hurdles. They've always found a way to make it work. And I I know that it's not managerial uh, steadiness there. They've had a bunch of different managers come in. But just just, always found a way, though. They've always found a way, yes. And that's why I have them in and, and not dropping but I, i'm i'm a little apprehensive because i think i'd become so comfortable that like zaha was a player good enough to fire through enough goals for them and and they were always able to kind of manufacture that but if they lose zaha and at least i i'm just i'm a little worried that's one i'm monitoring one that i'm monitoring all right something else that we've had the last couple of years todd one of those teams that are not in the big six plus newcastle big seven i think we just need to drop uh numbers in college football conferences as well as the big six because it, it keeps getting larger and larger. Feels like every year, the last couple of years, we've had a a team not with the financial might pushing and, and upending the, the order up top. Last year, we had a couple of Brighton were uh, the ones that ultimately won that scrap. Fulham were pushing. Villa with Unai Emery were pushing. Who do you have this year? Do you have any, first of all, or is this a year where it gets back to a more predictable table where you've got the big seven in the top seven? I have Tottenham eighth. And the team I have upsetting the apple cart, love that phrase. Yes. Is Brighton. I've got Brighton seven. You do. Um, I love Deserbi. I, I he's same and and Rezeep. That is that is a pure fanboy thing to put Brighton at seven. I love what he's done there. I I feel like uh you know I went to a concert once and there were like ten people there and there's a band called Blue October and then they've gotten kind of popular since. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I knew about them early on. I remember coming in here and telling you early on, like when they played Man City, like, hey, I like what he's done in the first two or three matches and they're only gonna get better. And they did. And that was after uh, losing old what's his name to Arsenal. Why am I drawing a blank? Um. Oh, who went from? Oh, Trissard. Yes, Trissard. Yeah, I, yeah. I could see his last name, and I couldn't. I I saw the beginning and then. But anyway, after losing, Trissard I was about to, to take Arsenal, a pot shot at somebody else that and, Brighton lost. Well, <laughs> but remember how good he was for Graham Potter early yeah. on last season and the season before. And I I just really like what he's done. He's no nonsense. I feel like that's exactly the type of guy that that club needs uh, for that type of personnel. And even with the Caicedo thing, you can tell he's like. Yeah, if they want him and they want to pay for him, we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, like, I don't control that. And I think... Well, we did go in and get their rumored top that's true. replacement. That's and true. And send him to Strasburg. Just to... I, I think that was more that's true. than anything else. I, I, here's what... But I love Deserby. That's why I have I, Brighton there. And I and like I told you earlier, I feel like Tottenham are... I really do think Harry Kane's going to be sold. I agree. And I am worried about the spuds. Uh, for sure. I, I love Deserbery as well. I know we've talked about it. It's a weird spot to be in of like he was kind of mixing it up with my own club. And when we were talking, uh, when we were up at the uh, in Stillwater for yeah. the semifinals and finals, I, I remember telling you, like, I kind of dig it. Like, it's going against my club, whatever. Doesn't really bother me one bit. Be that way. And it's amazing what having a guy who is just as tactically acute as his predecessor, but has just any life, any fire, well, look, any want to. And... And I, this obviously carries a lot of weight with me, but knowing who the I'm hair? a fan of. Oh. But Pep Guardiola, I think, has told multiple people, like, he's the guy that I most think is like me. And I think a lot of people that knew Pep Guardiola when he was young, Deserbury's a lot like him as a manager. 
just in the way not only that he manages his team, but also in the way he treats people, in the way he treats his players, in the way he communicates with people. And that resonates a lot with me. So um, I don't I don't hope for bad things for Tottenham. I'm certainly not a Tottenham fan. It's it's always fun to lulls at Tottenham a little bit. Uh, but I think this is going to be a transition year for them. Yeah. And, and a little bit like it was for Chelsea last year. Yeah. Like, I think you may find Tottenham in the same spot. Well, and it's year. one of those things if you sell them, and then Tottenham have I've the, I always done a really good job of kind of balling on a budget compared to the rest rest of the big six. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like a rip the Band-Aid off, reinvest. The, I, that's why I would like to have it happen earlier in the window so they could have reinvested those funds to get all the guys that post the I don't know if that's right. I'm just going to keep just yeah. firing through it. Posty, Post Malone. Post, what's called Post. Yeah, Post Malone Coach over there Post. at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Kind of bring that in a little bit like what Poch has had at Chelsea. Like they sure. ripped the Band-Aid off early. Saudi helped that. Uh, it is what it is. And brought in a bunch of guys where basically they're talking about one, maybe two incomings. But as far as the, the group that are going to play for Chelsea this year, almost all of them have been there all of preseason. So... That's huge. That's always huge. For me, my one club that I have, and, and do this just really quickly so we can get to mm-hmm. the fun stuff, we're going to go hashtag form table. I love Unai Emery, and I thought that the way that he had Villa humming toward the back end of the year, I thought it was really, really good. Giving him an entire preseason and an entire year, I think that Villa, for me, most likely to upset the balance just because losing McAllister. Would you whether- predict them like seventh? Uh, yes. So do you also have Tottenham as that top seven team that's out? Yes. Okay. I do. Okay. Fair enough. So let's go. Let's go top six then. I've got Villa at seven. You've got Brighton at Brighton seven. Brighton at seven. Who do you have at six? I, by the way, I've got Villa at nine when I did mine yeah. out. So I, I, I like what, I smell what you're stepping in. Yeah. There. Number six, I've got Chelsea. Um, I... I really, and when I get to five in a second, we'll talk about it. I really, um, in my head, went back and forth on five, six. I think five, six is going to be a really close race. I think, honestly, I think, you know, there'll be a little gap, if you ask me, between four and five. Um, I like what Chelsea are doing, but it does feel like a year that there's going to be some growing pains for them. I feel like it's going to be a year where, with so many young players and with Potts trying to put in everything new, that they're going to have some really bad performances and lose some one nils to teams like Luton and stuff like that. I I do think there's going to be marked improvement, and I feel like towards the back end of next season, Chelsea are going to be a team that you don't want to face, especially if you're in a top four hunt. But I don't think they have enough to get there this year, so I got them six. I completely understand the the youth. I get it. What what what's in my cup right now, Todd? Coffee. Uh, Kool Aid. I'm drinking it. I've got United at sixth. Okay. I think that I love what Tin Hogs rocking. I really do. I just think that there will be a little bit of similarly growing pains as they turn over that midfield, and I think that it's going to be a bloodbath for one, two, three, and a bloodbath four, five, six. And so I, I think that it's a matter of points separating from fourth all the way down to sixth. And uh, I, I've got United at sixth just because still think that there's a little bit of, of turning over the back line, especially of what they would have liked to do this summer. And so for that reason, again, I, I think that my four, five, six, throw them in a bag, shake them out tomorrow morning. I can wake up and feel totally different and reorder those. I mean, I don't hate that. Um, I, I'll just say I'll go to my five now. Number five, I've got Newcastle. Um, I think playing I in, too have Newcastle playing in the Champions five. League is going to be tough for Newcastle. I've got Man United at four, and quite frankly, I think there'll be a little gap between United and Newcastle. I, we talked about it earlier. I like what United have done. Um, I think they will be closer to three than to five. I have a surprise Chelsea at four, and I truly think that Chelsea, Newcastle, Man United will come down to the last two weekends. I've got Arsenal at three. Interesting. I've got Liverpool at two, and I've got Manchester City at one. I think Liverpool are the most likely team to take down Man City this year, not playing in Europe. They still have plenty of weapons. I think Nunez is going to have a great year for them this year after really taking a while to get going last season. 
I don't think even Jordan Henderson is a loss that they can't figure out. I think at times Henderson late last season was, I don't want to say he was a liability, but he just doesn't have the sharpness that I think someone in his position with how Jurgen Klopp plays needs to have. He started at starting to wane. And I think freshening up and youthening up that roster will do them some some huge help. And I feel like they're kind of last year's arsenal. I really love Cody Gakpo. Yep. I really like McAllister. And they get Lavia as well, as you talked yeah. about. I think that part of why I'm backing Chelsea to get it done as far as the top four is a very similar argument. I mean, they don't have to worry about the other stuff. Sure. Potch can just drill, 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 one game a week, all that stuff. I'm just backing the strengthening that Arsenal did. I'm a real believer in the window that they had. I think it's going to be a three-horse race till about match week 32 or 33 when City will really pull away. And I think that that Liverpool team are going to be absolute menace to play against once again. I have Liverpool at three, Arsenal at two, and City just continuing the dominance. We've already seen Gabriel Jesus with an injury. He's going to miss a few weeks early on in the Premier League season. Well, we know that Kai Havertz works out so well as a nine. Well, and, and, you know, injuries can't be predicted, but I think a a lot of people forget just how effective Liverpool was by injuries last year. Yes. And and yes. I think and they, while, they almost made the top four anyway. Right. While you are buying into Chelsea for the same reason I'm buying into Liverpool, I think the reason I buy much more into Liverpool is because while they do have a lot of good young players, they also have some, I mean, some really good players who have really good experience within that squad uh, still there. Guys like Virgil van Dyke, guys yeah. like Mohamed Salah. Like, so I, I, I think that they're going to, Honestly, I think they're going to push Man City this year. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this season because I think, like I said, obviously, I think that 1-2-3, bloodbath, 4-5-6, uh, bloodbath. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun Premier League season. I, I think this the top, the big seven are going to be back. No doubt. Just a reminder, August 16th, the soccer show goes back to Wednesday nights. We'll have yes. more updates on exactly what time that will be. We'll have our last Saturday show Next Saturday, as the Premier League fully kicks off, uh, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. will be on the air. Indeed. That'll do it for us, though. Big shout-out to Matt Gobranson, Matty Goldfish, Toddy. Love you, my friend. Thank you for coming up here early once again. But for the rest of us, we're done. Stay tuned from 12 to 3. I will reappear back in Norman, America to carry on with our coverage alongside Jerry Ramsey for Meet the Sooners Day. We've got the Classic game after that. Spark it's after back, that. baby. Spark after that. It's a action-packed day here on the franchise. But, guys, I got to go. We'll see you.